I'm Andrew O'Hagan, host of a new podcast from the London Review of Books. It's about the bloodiest and most controversial event of the Falklands War, the sinking of the General Belgrano. Margaret Thatcher was accused of a war crime. The truth would only emerge in the pages of a private diary. This is the Belgrano Diary. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the London Review Bookshop podcast. To find out about our upcoming events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Thank you so much for coming this evening. And tonight, we are launching two extraordinary ships. The Anthology O and Same But Different by Helen Mort and Katrina Naomi. And today is International Translation Day. So I'd love to begin in honour of the translators in the Anthology O with a poem by a medieval feminist poet, an Arabic poet, called Dana Bint Mashal, and this is translated by Sophia Samatar. Give up. You won't win me with kisses and embraces. Only thrusts please me. Make my towering fall into my sleeve and my sadness flies away. So both of the books that we're launching this evening were lockdown projects. And one of the kind of reasons that O exists is because of Audrey Lord. So I'd love to read you the quote that's the first thing that you come to in the book. And it kind of summarizes the feeling of most of the poems. We tend to think of the erotic as an easy, tantalizing, sexual arousal. I speak of the erotic as the deepest life force, a force which moves us towards living in a fundamental way. And with the anthology, um, Dana is one of two medieval feminist poets and then there's a poem by Audrey Lord, and all the other poets and translators are contemporary living poets in and of the world from all over the globe. And it has gay, lesbian, queer, trans, heterosexual, bisexual poems. Um, and the poet's age range is from about 26 to 76. So all the different ways we experience pleasure at different times in our lives. 
Um, and tonight we're going to hear from six poets. And the first person we're going to hear from is Maggie Hamlin. And she's going to read her own poem from the anthology, as well as Landes from Women in Afghanistan, translated by Aliza Griswold. And these poems, the, the form of these poems, it translates as short, sharp snake. That's what Landes mean. And the poems were collected by Eliza Griswold, a bit like John Clare would go and collect folk songs. She went when she was heavily pregnant and collected these poems. And the society meets in secret and they also phone in and recite the poems. And they are political, they're bawdy, they're a bit like the wife of Bath. And I haven't got any tattoos, but I think if I did, it would be one of these land days. So we'll hear from Maggie now. Recreation by Audre Lorde. Coming together, it is easier to work after our bodies meet. Paper and pen neither can or profit, whether we write or not. But as your body moves under my hands, charged and waiting, we cut the leash. You create me against your thighs, hilly with images, moving through our word countries. My body writes into your flesh the poem you make of me. Touching you, I catch midnight as moonfires set in my throat. I love you flesh into blossom, I made you, and take you made into me. Anonymous land days. Unlucky you who didn't come last night. I took the hardwood bedpost for man. Is there not man here brave enough to see how my untouched thighs burn the trousers off me? Daughter. In America, the river isn't wet. Young girls learn to fill their jugs on the internet. I could have tasted death for a taste of your tongue, watching you eat ice cream when we were young. My body belongs to me. To others, it's mastery. This is my poem. You are the sea. You are the sea. I am a shifting shingle. You approach with stealth, and I am displaced, lost, tossed into your dark moons, where speedy lips and tongues suck in, suck in, and in again. We rise together, we rise together, and then float safe, a sated calm. Until the dance begins again and you thrust deep, dissolve, 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 until I am but a ghost of the shore disappeared in you. The ice cream lande always makes me think of Bridgerton, the scene in Bridgerton, which if you've seen that show, I think you'll know what I'm referring to. So next we're going to hear from Ella Duffy and Ella's going to read her poem first, which gives a whole new 
non-human meaning to the to the term thirsty. And Ella will also be reading a translation by Leo Bois of the Argentine poet Diana Balesi, as well as Ellen Bass's Basket of Figs, which is so evocative. And I think if desire was a recipe, it would be this poem. So over to you, Ella. Hello, everyone. Um, thank you, Anna. It's so exciting to be here this evening. Um, celebrating these two gorgeous Hazel books um, and reading alongside what is a powerhouse of, of poets. So I'm going to be reading first my poem from O, which I have here. It's a just breathtaking collection of, of work celebrating pleasure in all of its many forms. So I'll begin with first. Yes, we are becoming roots. Sensing water, we are coming to search for drink, to send the thirstier parts of ourselves, the hairs, the root hairs, the head, to reach and sip. Yes, we have become fine roots, drinking much, drinking all that we have sensed, like this and this. I'm really excited to be able to read other poems from the from the book. It was, I mean, I could have easily sat down and read the whole thing to you, but I'll start with start with um, A Woman Works by Diana Balesi, which is translated by Leo Bois. A woman works. She spins. She embroiders landscapes that the dream gives away. When crossing the line of the forbidding king, the gaze and desire are united. On another woman, a woman rubs her moon of silk leaves, the woods rise. Red is the sail, nocturnal the ship, sails. The owner of an immense bay, she lets herself be roamed by a woman naked on deck. She, the moon that the moon embraces. And finally, this is a um, basket of figs by Ellen Bass. Bring me your pain, love. Spread it out like fine rugs, silk sashes, warm eggs, cinnamon and cloves and burlap sacks. Show me the detail, the intricate embroidery on the collar, Tiny shell buttons, the hem stitched the way you were taught, pricking just a thread, almost invisible. Unclasp it like jewels, the gold still hot from your body. Empty your basket of figs, spill your wine. That hard nugget of pain, I would suck it, cradling it on my tongue like the slick seed of pomegranate. I would lift it, tenderly, as a great animal might carry a small one in the private cave of the mouth. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ella. <laughs> Thank you. Ella just reminded me how tender some of the poems are in the anthology, and some are sad, and some are moving, and some are healing. 
and some are boisterous and playful and passionate and you know there's this whole gamut of of feelings that that come through the different poems and next we're going to have Georgie Henley read and some of the poems feel very very contemporary of the moment and Georgie's poem feels like it's of all time and old time it traces down this this long taproot um, and Georgie will also be reading um, Els Moores the Flemish poet and in her poem, it has this startling last line that kind of stays with you long after you've read it. And she'll also be reading Franny Choi's On the Night of the Election, which encapsulates the feeling of trying to get your rocks off unsuccessfully, but trying nonetheless. So, Georgie, over to you. Hi. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for being here. Um, so excited to be celebrating oh um like Anna just said it's it's such a there's such a multitude of incredible poems and it's it's really wonderful to to kind of experience it the sexiness of it the strangeness of it the tenderness it's been it's been wonderful um and I'm also so excited to be celebrating um same but different um which I can't wait to read um, today I'm going to be reading first uh, Elsmore's. Um, it's translated from the Flemish by Wilhelm Gronewegen and Joshua Clover. I am the gardener with an alibi and a purple jumpsuit. I maintain the premises where the golf balls rise and fall, and the body often lies at the far end of the arc. In a glass booth, I sell ice cream to the visitors until I am a tree, lightning struck. I gather a field around me. Mornings, an orange plastic basket in my hand, I go barefoot into the street to bring in the milk. I do not walk on thin ice. When I spread my legs, I pretend they are wings. And next up, just a page over, which is amazing. I'm going to be reading On the Night of the Election by actually one of my favourite poets, Franny Choi. On the Night of the Election, I tried to touch myself in the hotel room when the bar closed before I'd had enough, while on the news stations I never watch because everyone talks too loud and doesn't seem all that bothered by the state of things. Everyone was giving up hope of a brand I never cared much for anyway, wanting to be cold-blooded and over all that hopey, changey stuff, wanting not to believe in a broken thing, broken on purpose, I know, keep my loved ones drowning or dead. I wasn't numb exactly, under the covers, naked, touching the linoleum sheets with all of my skin, everything close and far away at once, like my labia were on the other side of a glass door, my clitoris dull-eyed and dumb when I asked for proof I was an animal that would still wriggle when prodded. I guess it's an old question. Is there anything that works that isn't a machine for killing or doomed to collapse or stolen from the sweat of the hungry? Maybe my body was all three, there in the hotel room, liquor shot and reaching in every direction for an answer, 
complete sentence or if nothing else, an exit, a view at least of what waits on the other side of despair. But my pussy that night was playing the part of another wall, another sky to trace and trace with no response, another blank beast whose name we've long forgotten or who dies in a day. All this to say, I didn't even get close. I called and called and nothing came. I had a body and it refused to rise for work, to sing for the new old country, to sing so I could weep and feel a little clean. So I uncurled my wrists, pulled the darkness over my head and slept like a rock or a man that's dead. Wow. What an amazing poem. Um, and next I'm going to read my own poem. Um, thank you so much to Anna for letting me have this space. Hazel Press is such an amazing space to, to be doing this kind of thing. <laughs> it's called Hero Lover and it's the second poem from the Cirque series. Hero Lover. Before sometimes or after, I would assume the role of shadow, say, let me take the weight. Press palms against the hinges of each shoulder, place a knee between your legs and contract my elbows very gently until I felt your knees buckle, breasts against your back, your chest opening skywards, the great exhale. I've bathed most of my lovers and listened to this, a half secret. I preferred it to the sex sometimes when we would talk through our days or other times be silent, except for the necessary questions. Is it hot enough for you? Do you need to wash your hair? What is it about a soaking wet dick growing hard in my hand that makes me feel like I can steer a great ship to safety? avoiding every jagged tooth of rock as conqueror, paragon. Is this what it feels like? Is this how you feel all the time? You wept in Sharia when they sang your own story back to you. Perhaps you were angry that beauty had been made from all that pain and to remain a hero, you hid your face, which is half your father's. You don't need to do that here. I soap your spine, tell you again, you are not your father. When your voice breaks, it is only the two of us who hear. Be assured, they only know a moon of you. Standing here, with your sun pouring over me, I pity them. They have not felt the weight of stars. I'll miss it, this bright possibility. Hearing the shimmer everywhere, like a soft, low tide, being able to reach out, touch your glistening bones and say, come here, let me do that. Let me take the weight. Thank you so much. Incredible, Georgie. Thank you. Thank you so much. I first came across Georgie's work in an amazing magazine called 14 Poems which is just, oh my goodness, every poem you're like, wow, wow, this is just brilliant. 
Um, and our next poet, Belinda Zawi, I have known for over 10 years. And she is an incredible human, incredible poet. And she's going to be reading her poem from the anthology, as well as Kim Hai Soon's Bragging About My Dress, which is translated by Don Mi Choi. And she'll be reading um, Kateka Mazinga's To Consummate, which is an incredibly playful poem. So, Belinda. Hi. Thanks for having me, Anna. And yes, I've known Anna for many, many years. Anna met me when I was uh, nothing but a baby poet and was incredibly encouraging and always turning me on to things that were amazing. Thank you so much. And it feels like an honor to be part of uh, uh, amongst all these amazing poets. And this book feels sacred, really. Like, um, it's very, very beautiful. So congratulations. The first poem I'm going to read is To Consummate by Nkateko Masinga. I used to think it meant to consume one's mate like the praying mantis or black widow spider, the way it hurt at first. But we both survived and lived to repeat it nightly some months. I cared a greater deal for the holding after and the longing before our gentle beginning being the image I held as you unfolded folds of skin, needing me, coaxing me to relax. I want to try it all again, now that you've left. The way I first imagined it would be safe and soft, like spring rain, rippling, waves and gentle rocking. And the next poem I'm going to read is Bragging About My Dress by Kim Hai Soon, uh, translated, uh, or as translated by uh, Don Mitchell. And yeah, I really enjoyed this. There's just something about this poem that I just felt really drawn to. It looks amazing on the page and yeah, there's just so much imagery in this that I felt really connected to. So bragging about my dress. I look for my dress as soon as I wake up in the morning. I feel relieved when I see it still hanging stiff from the hanger. The fact that a dress has no thoughts is a lie. They're saying that when a dress, when a dress cries three times, the whole nation goes under is also a lie. I don't feel lonely because I have my dress. I get anxious about being lonely again without it. But I can say that my dress is a birdcage. When it's windy, it feels like I'm wearing an oversized bird cage. My cage flutters in the wind. It feels as if a pianist with a hundred fingers on each hand tightly lifted me up in the air. When the wings sprout from my hips, spreading till they're no longer visible, I feel as if I'm caressing the lightest thing in the world. Somehow I feel sad to float so high up. My eyesight becomes perfect like the horsemen of the plains. Giddy up, I can ride my dress and fly far away. My bones are hollow, lute, so every one of them can sing and whistle. The night my dress embraces my breast and weeps. The night I blame myself. It's because my dress was too revealing. Was it my fault? 
The night I pillow my face on my knees, wrapped in my dress. The saying that you must beat your dress every four days is a lie. The saying that the plates break when three dresses get together is a lie. But because I'm nothing without my dress, I worry. What if I don't come back as a dress in my next life? The night I put on the darkness, my favorite black dress unfurls. This feeling of a black ribbon around my neck unwinding and the lights on my dress twinkle like the nightscape of soul. This feeling of infinite wings slowly taking off like an insane stingray roaming in the deep ocean. Next, this feeling of a gigantic sparkly dress silently floating away in the clear sky. I will leave my dress behind when I die. Third poem I'm going to read is my own, which is, uh, feels like such a privilege to be uh, included in this. And it's also, uh, also printed in Small Inheritances, uh, which is a pamphlet by me. Holstein Way, Reclamation Song. Born soft, bulging, with sympathy and all manner of fruitful and barren laws, I cannot help but randomly burst into prayer. Always, till I wander into that tangible second of ecstasy. Sweet communion with self. In those silent moments, my little black girl smiles from inside me, smiles a Sunday morning. She's my reflection, a mirror which I'm always backing away from, a small sacrifice for the better of others. She stares through me long beneath the true shape of things under my mask of pretend earnest. Pray that I pray for her joy, her days of abundance, expansion. Teach her to pray with precision, for there will likely be days when her breasts will search for ripeness, but black rot might come easier. Learn to touch myself. Again, and yet again, till I wander into those moments of ecstasy, sweet communion with self, begging me to fulfill a wish, to no longer erase myself, because the body as the sea is temperamental, ever-changing, like whole weeks where the days differ from the last, some days it is a warm, sunny creek hidden between two large rocks. I must climb it to swim it. Pour my darkness into that space or just weep it away. Just weep it away. They say bodies are temples made for worship. Adorn them with silver. Drench them in hyssop, myrrh. Maybe in that stillness, I might hear me.
Thank you. Thank you, Belinda. I think a lot, I think that poem will resonate with so many people and it just encapsulates the, the feelings of like the holiness of our bodies and of self-love and self-doubt. On the other side of that, both of those things. You just made me think of the, the kind of final quote in the book. This is a sweet pea and the species is Clitoria ternatia. And the quote is from Manais Nenets, and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. So thank you all so much, our wonderful O readers. Um, and I'm just going to close the circle of the O um, with this poem by Megan Forley, American poet and it's called The Atheist. The first time we made love, I realized why I never prayed. One human can only say, oh God, so many times. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So next, we're going to go to... Helen Mort and Katrina Naomi with their collaboration, Same But Different. And when they began this last year in lockdown one, they had no idea it would be a book one day. It was two poets, two friends, kind of this thread that went back and forth from Penzance up to Sheffield and back and responded to different things. And for what so many for so many people, this last year and a half has been an incredibly difficult time, a time of isolation, relative isolation. And through this friendship, this kind of sisterhood, this creative collaboration, you know, they kind of had this thread taking them out of the maze and anchoring them into the imagination and creativity. And in the book, none of the poems are attributed. And even we as the publishers at Hazel Press don't know whose poems are whose. Um, so I'm going to hand over to them both now and they're going to read from Same But Different. And it's so exciting because tonight is the first time I've heard so many of the poems in O-Red. Um, and it's the first time the poems in Same But Different have ever been heard by anyone else but the poets. So over to you, Helen and Katrina. Thank you, Anna. 
Uh, it's wonderful to be here and it's been so fantastic to hear the poems from O. Um, also, the, just how beautiful the books look. Um, I've got a little little display of different colours. <laughs> and, and, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Katrina is very colour coordinated with her earrings. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's sort of, um, we were talking about how we were going to talk about the book earlier and I, I said, oh, I'm very happy to, to speak first. Um, and um, in a way, that's that's totally um, presumptuous of me because the inspiration for this and for having this beautiful um, book that um, that kind of um, takes this this very life affirming um, during during lockdown in particular dialogue out into the world um that inspiration very much came from Katrina and I'm so grateful to, to you Katrina for 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 inspiring me to write at a time when I felt really stuck um creatively um so yeah K Katrina um started the first set of of prompts off and then basically was incredibly patient with me. <laughs> something I feel like I'm, I'm really slow again. I'm really sorry. It's taken me ages. And, and Katrina was wonderful and just um, listened and and waited for those poems to arrive. And it's been such a fruitful dialogue. Um, They're bloody worth it though when they did arrive. Eh? <laughs> um, I mean, do you want? You might be able to say more about the process better than I. I could just say sort of, um, yeah, maybe a little bit on, on what we've done each time and um, correct me, Helen, if I'm straying off somewhere. Um, but basically what we did was, um, I can't remember which of us started now, but anyway, say it was Helen started. Um, so Helen sent a um, an image or an artwork um, and a poem by another poet, what, you know, usually a, um, a poem that we, you know, we particularly admired. So Helen sent me that and, and um, then I wrote two poems or you know try to in response to both the image and the um and the poem and Helen did exactly the same so we were you know both writing to the same image and the same um poem each time so that was the idea about sort of same but different because inevitably you know very different people and the poems that we've written have been very different to each set of prompts so um yeah so that's been pretty much it but it's been um it's been a really lovely process and and we're still going with it so um i think um, i owe helen some poems um next week actually <laughs> they're drafted on the table over there but they need a lot of work so. <laughs> i love that, that we can almost see them behind you it's like uh, <laughs> and yeah and just that sort of trust i think that we built up in terms of we discussed about yeah, that we didn't actually need to put, you know, separate names on, you know, that this poem's by Helen or this poem's by Katrina. It's just sort of, yeah, you know, and we thought people might like guessing, you know, sort of who had written which. It's Anything been, else me to say? Um, I was just going to say that um, it's been my first experience of um, of publishing something this collaborative and. Mm. I don't know what it what it has been about this particular time of of isolation and uncertainty. I've I've taken part in two um, di di different writing dialogues, um, both both with women, one in poetry and one in prose. Having never done that before, it's been some of the most rewarding writing and just 
friendship wise that, that I've ever done. So yeah, thank you. But also thanks to Hazel Press because um it's been such a, a lovely experience so working. Lovely. <laughs> Just beautiful. So lovely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and environmentally spot on. I mean they're great. So yeah. Shall I start then? Um, yeah, yeah, maybe we say as well that we're kind of um so yeah it's it's quite difficult to because as as everyone as Anna was saying um with, with maybe like a couple of, of of exceptions I don't think anyone can necessarily tell whose poems are whose so um yeah. we weren't sure how to read them so we're just gonna alternate between the two of us reading poems but you won't know who the author was um on each occasion yeah. listen reading the poem wrote the poem no we're reading some of each other's and some of our own okay um i'm starting with rat rat at night rat redrafts the lower reaches of our house cursive across high ledges forcing the bright idea of his body through masonry to trace the lines of copper pipes a huge buck gnawing plastic caches of cat food, grazing on lintels. With slivers of wood, he stories his kind. Lives spent, shy in the bellies of ships, or prone in a laboratory, addicted to light. Mornings, he's heard, not seen, scrubbing up shelves, lithe in the corner of my eye. Why do I hate him? He is the mother of invention. Attacked, he slips the glove of his tail like a lover removing a t-shirt. In groups, he becomes a mischief. In groups, I am only a sigh. Because he aches like me, I fear him or feign compassion. Lacing the seesaw traps, he ignores with chorizo, peanut butter. I envy his long, loping sentences below my floor. Inside our walls, covet his fairy tale fame, even the villainy, even the placed blame, black death, lassa fever, such articulate history. I read him in the hollows of the outhouse, dank cellar, dating his case in crumbs, even his piss is eloquent. At dusk, I open the pantry door, and he charges towards it barreling a ball of midnight muscular shadow come to shame me with his bravery in india in the north where wild bamboo grows there is a rat flood every 50 years maltam a plague spilling through grain stores they eat until a famine settles on the land like rain I know rat flood is metaphor, but here in the dark, the foot of the stairs, I reject it, feeling them plummet from the sky, a hail of fur, the surge of life around my knees as I wade through their shy bodies up to my neck. When rat moves past me, I become a figure of speech in his damp world. Which of us is living now? We are finished with words. Um, I'm going to follow with tightrope. 
I had an interest in rope. It was tied for me between two fruit trees in grandfather's garden. He taught me to have no fear, held my hand as I trod the rope, knee high, took one step alone, the rope feeling its way under my soul, took another. I didn't look down at the grass looking up, nor did I look at grandfather. I looked only at the apple tree, how it held itself. I turned, walked back to the cherry. Grandfather had me eat windfalls. I studied their bruising. Three days later, a stepladder and two metal poles taller than grandfather. There was never a padded mat. Told you, I had no fear. Walked from roof to roof across the orchard. Took to trousers. Memorised the Beaufort scale, the weaves of rope. How much and how little to moisturise my feet. Once I did fall. It was a man. A small loss of concentration. This cost me seven months. Started over with tower blocks. I knew to think only breath and foot, breath and foot, before stepping off. I'm following on with Yukon. Yukon. Nobody asked how it wound up in the tundra, snow-mantled, legs collapsing into ice. But they knew how to deal with it. Hunters made lean by the season. They treated it as they would a large moose. Lid, a single lung. Keys invited slow dismantling. Wires produced some complication. But they were men winter-dredged patients from. When it was done... They strapped it to the back of the youngest, bid him walk the ten miles back to the cabins, shouldering their prize. Night came, bare, quiet. He fell where he stood. By morning, a blizzard had claimed the leftovers, man and cargo, the drift cast over each outline, one angular, one soft with recent breath, touched only by the cold now, the hand of a conductor picking out lifted notes. And I think I'm going to go to a poem called Grizzly next, because there seems a, there's a link, I think, thematically there. Um, this is Grizzly. Tonight, I'm Ursus Arctus Horriblis, with a dished face and soft round ears. My shoulders are humped with muscle. My fur is tipped blonde grey, as if I brushed the sun and kept its trace. I am always naked, clothed in my own warmth. Don't speak to me as I lope from house to house. I'm solitary, except with my cub. And when he sleeps, I feel the talk of my hunger, longing to gorge on moose and bighorn sheep, musk ox and mushrooms, sedge grass, Tubers, white bark, bison, lemmings and cutworm moth. I want to walk into the dead centre of a wet meadow in the hours after a glacier slide. Take my fill, lapping the ground sweet afterbirth. I will eat bees if I have to. I bite into the neck of a black bear calf. 
What have you left for me here in my new shy territory? Cardboard, tampons, Guinness cans, cotton wool, chicken bones, grape stalks, blood. I walk towards the overpass, watch cars swarm north. I could be crouching at the base of a waterfall, thunder and spray, the salmon leaping for their lives, their bodies glittering headlights, and me with my outstretched paws and open mouth, ready for anything. This poem is called In the Kelp Forest. In the Kelp Forest. The first time she finds herself among brown strands between fear and wonder, floating in this other world of upside down, a place a person could wed herself to. So much dank silence beyond her breath, the gentle murmur of limbs in suspension, their arc and splay. There's no peace like this in the dry country. She's like a body in a jar at the lab, but keeps her Dutch colours, gliding her mind through slender lengths of weed, fabric-like, plastic-like, part translucent, part shine, like nothing else but kelp. Her restless hair goes on its own pulsing journey. She forgets her blissed moments. She can't breathe here. This isn't air. Waves nudge overhead. It's like any place, almost visited. They are city. They Seville. And she talks half seriously, half what if, of how she might live here. The kelp wafts in welcome, displays its tentacles as she refuses neoprene, longs for kelp's beckon and touch, longs to pass as a local, strange fish for sure, but one who could belong. There's, um, there's something really um, beautiful in answering a poem with a poem, both in the writing process. And I'm, this is the first time we've read from, from Same yeah. Different, isn't it? I'm feeling yeah. it now with the um, this is the last one that I'm going to read. Um, I'm also now thinking that there could be all kinds of drinking games with the, where, where people have to have, have a <laughs> tiny bit of tea every time they think they recognise um, one of the poets. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be quite an interesting exercise. Um, there, this, is, um, this, is, this poem uh, is called Their Hallway. Their Hallway had a large gilt mirror on a burgundy wall which I stood back from. Thinking my hair hadn't collapsed, the knot of my scarf, whether I'd buttoned my pink cardi correctly. The mirror, a constant check on the possibility of belonging in such a house, such a part of the city, such a family. Though the father made two drunken pleas of interest, boxes patterned like a child's, small puppies and the second time, robots. I checked myself in and out past the reflections where I told my 20-something self I had a claim of being, if not of belonging. 
like a mantra I never truly believed. I couldn't go as far as considering an aura as the afternoon light checked the cedar floor, yellow, then blue, then red. But I like spotting myself in their hallway, imagining the corridors of my still-to-be-lived life, even as I knew I was only the lodger, only passing through. And I'm going to end our reading with a poem called Small Yellow Bait. Um, just to say big thanks, big love to Helen for taking part and uh, yeah, just for really being up for everything. And it's been it's been fab working with you. I've loved it. And uh, great that we're carrying on, you know, just uh, poems that are meant to be working over on that desk. But oh yeah. Um, and thanks very much, Hazel Press, for yeah, just being so lovely and um, so yeah, excited about what we were doing. I think you sort of um, really spurred us on. So thanks so much. Okay, small yellow boat. I took myself away for weeks to work on it. I allowed one day off kayaking my small yellow boat out on the river. But that was enough of success. I had work to do, a regime of morning, noon and night. As soon as I cleaned my aching teeth, I focused on failure, hugged it to me for hours. After a quick soup and salad, I took my failure for a walk, paraded it round the village each day, saw the tide rise and fall on it. We'd return together, a pot of tea. We'd work in the afternoon light. I polished and polished this failure, making it the one thing anyone could notice about me. I learnt how to speak of my newfound gift, but only to the people who mattered. This wasn't an item for broadcast. It was too precious for that. I needed to be sure the failure would remain with me. I spent all my time with it, confident I'd made a thing of beauty. I take pride in this. Next time, I'll learn from my mistakes. I won't listen to anyone. I'll spend longer on it, devote myself, invest more emotion. Thank you. Incredible. Thank you both so much. I just love that, answering a poem with a poem. You know, it made me think of the great tradition of call and response poetry and mashiras and also it made me think of you both as birds, different species of birds responding you know with different different calls but similar notes and when I first read same but different I had the feeling of the children's book the magic faraway tree because it felt more like an exhibition every poem feels so different and takes you to a completely different territory a bit like in the magic faraway tree when you ascend the tree and each time it's a different land um, but I just want to say a few words about Hazel Press and then to just shower the audience and the poets and the translators with praise and the LRB bookshop. So, um, yeah, so Hazel Press, we started last year and we focus on the environment, climate change, feminism and the arts. 
And something about tonight felt so powerful, given in the UK today that, you know, there's been news which is distressing to a lot of people. And, and so it's felt really beautiful to have six feminist poets sharing their work with us and the works of others as well. So thank you for that. Um, and all our books, we've got six books out at the moment. And the next ones are by John Clegg and Jess McKinney, her debut pamphlet, you know, amazing Irish poet. And they're going to be launched in the LRB bookshop in real life on the 28th of October. And then we'll also be launching Alice Fowler's first work of fiction with the LRB, this Elaine Gillian Beers memoir, Stations Without Signs, about her early, the early years of her life and her experiences. And all our books are climate positive, printed on 100% recycled paper from the UK, and we use vegetable-based inks. So we don't want you to do this, but if you did, you could compost them. And we want to produce books that engage with the environment that, that then don't damage the environment by existing in the world. So I just want to say a huge thank you to you, the audience, for being here and lending us your ears and eyes and imaginations and all your beautiful comments in the chat. And we've also got some of the poets and translators who are in O, so hello to you as well. Um, and a big, big thank you to the LRB Bookshop for hosting this event and being so supportive to Hazel Press, like our fairy godmothers and fairy godfathers, and to our bedazzling poets, to Maggie, Ella, Georgie, Belinda, Helen and Katrina. Thank you so, so much. You can get all the books, all the colours um, from the LRB Bookshop, but I just want to say thank you all for being with us and I hope you have lovely days or evenings wherever you are. Thanks for listening. To find out more about London Review Bookshop events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.